right, we're starting a series called Gracious Rebellion. Uh, the idea behind a gracious rebellion is that we are sacred, not secular beings, that God has made us for Himself, that God has saved us for Himself, that He has separated us, us out of the world for Himself, um, that we are, we are not primarily secular beings, beings. You're not beings either, but nor are you secular beings, that we aren't to be shaped by the values and vision of this world or, or any culture in it, that you know, Paul kind of taught, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that uh, we're supposed to be reframed, retaught, uh, how to be what God has made us to be. And so there's a gracious rebellion. It's not uh, an upheaval against the world. It's more a gracious rising to be what God has made us, which is salt and light uh, into this world so that we can enter the world as loving beings who are bringing salt and light into other people's lives. But if we look just like the world, how is anyone supposed to see the light or taste the salt? Make sense? Right? And so uh, we want to talk about a gracious rebellion. I know there's, uh, there's a gentleman in this room. I won't point him out because I don't want to embarrass him. I don't know if I'm allowed to say it. But I know that he's writing a book on disciplines, on those things that help us grow uh, in our walk with God, in our, uh, in our maturity as Christians. And those are the kinds of things that we're looking at this morning. And so what I want to start off with is a rule of life. A rule of life is a practical plan to know God and to stay close always. And today we're going to look at developing a rule of life. What do you imagine when you hear a rule of life? What does your imagination create? Boring. Boring. Boring because it's rules. I, I was hoping Anna would say something. What else? What else? Rule of life. Rule of life? Oh, yeah, okay. Brilliant. Rule of life? Like gravity or any other rule? Guiding principles? Widely accepted? Widely accepted? Yeah. So, uh, most of you had, have, at least those who have spoken, have a, a neutral or, or okay view on having a rule of life, except for those who are like Anna, and I'm more like Anna, where rule of life sounds like, no, nah, no, nah, thank you. I didn't get saved, so I can have a rule. I thought we got saved so we could have God's grace and that we could uh, mistaken, uh, you know, walk in grace and accidentally achieve the law. Um, but that's not at all what this means. Peter uh, Scazzero, in his book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality, writes that a rule of life is a call to order our entire life in such a way that the love of Christ comes before all things. Or as Charlotte said, these guiding principles that help us make Jesus the first thing in our lives, the most important thing in our lives. Um, the C.S. Lewis Institute defines that the goal, so what's the purpose of a rule of life or goal? And it says that the purpose or goal is being conformed to the image of Christ for the sake of others. So a rule of life helps you to put Jesus first, and the purpose or one of the outcomes of that is that you are able to be a loving person to others. Yeah, doesn't that sound good? That sounds kind of like something we say at King's Cross a lot. Jesus above all, others before me. And a rule of life helps us to put Jesus above all and to live a life of love where others are before me. Uh, where does that little saying come from? Jesus above all, others before me. It's a simplification of what? It's a golden rule. To love God with all your heart, or your soul, or your mind, or your strength, and to 
love others, love your neighbor as you love yourself. Jesus above all, others before me. Um, and so a rule of life helps us to do this. And it's our personal plan or, and commitment to do this, to walk in this way. Um, and so the first example of a Christian rule of life comes from the Desert Fathers in 300 AD. And what they did is they wanted to uh, craft this rule of life, some guiding principles, something they could commit to, so that their faith could be translated into habits and rhythms. They didn't want to just believe in God and trust God. They wanted their whole life to flow out of their faith in God. Would we all agree that we want that as well? That we want every waking moment to flow out of the life of God that we have, out of the faith that we have. And so, would, sorry, that was a question. Would we, would, do we want that? Yeah. We do want that, right? That's a, that's a living belief. And so the, the Desert Fathers created rules of lives within their uh, monastic uh, live, lives so that they, their faith could become visual and tactile. They could have habits and rhythms to keep. Um, and it obviously produced some incredible fruit. Uh, even to this day. Uh, Esther de, de Waal says that the Latin for rule, because that's where we get this idea of rule of life, is from la- the Latin. The Latin for rule has gentle connotations. It's like a signpost, a railing, something that gives support as I move forward in my relationship with God. So it's not a rule, as in, I don't know if any of you are old enough or your culture uh, is thro- a throwback enough to ever get hits on the hand with a ruler when you did wrong at school? Anyone here grow up? It's got to be... Yeah, there you go. You either grew up in Asia, Africa, or you're super old. <laughs> uh, or a ruler as in like a measuring, you know, do you, do you, do you, are you, do you, uh, what is it? Are, are you good enough? Do you, do you measure up? Here's kind of the bar. Uh, do you measure up? That, that's not at all the kind, what rule of life means. It means more like a trellis that a grapevine grows on, or a rail that you would walk and hold on to as you go along so that you, uh, it can lead you and guide you. It helps you. And so in, if we're using the idea of a grape or a trellis, because that's the, the meaning of the word, a trellis, then you would understand that it's there so that the grapevine could grow up and bear lots of fruits. Is the point that the farmer comes to the grapevine and goes, man, that trellis is doing its job. Look at that grapevine. It's huge. Or would the farmer rather come, ignore the trellis, and go, look at that grapevine, it's fruitful. That's the point, right? The the farmer wants to see the fruit, but the trellis helps it get there. And that's what the rule of life is, is we want to get to the fruit, but the habits and the rhythms enable us to get there. Uh, I'm not going to ask you to share this with anyone, but just think in your own mind, who of you have a clear rule of life? Trellises that help you get to where God has you going. Guiding principles that you follow every day so that you can grow in the life that God has for you. Again, don't don't answer that question, especially for those who have to say no. For those who have to say yes, we're helping you avoid your pride. For those who say no, we're helping you avoid your pride. Um, But let me say it another way. You do have a rule of life. Everyone has a rule of life. Whether you've written it down or whether it's just organic, you do whatever you do. That is your guiding principle and you are going somewhere. The trajectory of your life is heading in a direction. You may hope and want, like I think most people, look, every week we have visitors and we love that and often visitors are not uh, saved and and sometimes we've had people uh, like Carl who's not here today, uh, 
stick around for two years as a non-Christian uh, before he became a Christian. We love that. But for most people in this room who have a relationship with God, our goal is to grow into the life that God has for us, to grow in godliness, to do good to those outside of these walls, to live a life that glorifies God, right? We, we would say that. The things of this world grow faintly dim in the light of His glory and grace, that God is beautiful above all things. That's where we hope to go. But for most of us, or for some of us, or for myself, that's more like a Make-A-Wish foundation than a plan of how I'm going to get there, right? Do you, you know McDonald's Make-A-Wish Foundation? There's lots of kids who have a wish, but only some of them get there. There's lots of Christians who have a wish, but only some of them get there. Yet the pathway to what God has for our lives is totally open for all of us. But we need a plan. Um, when you think about it, I love that Steph spoke about an achievement culture. Because often we think about goals and um, uh, New Year's resolutions, Resolu right? We have these things. You know, the, they say that the statistic is that most re New Year's resolutions are broken by day 17. I've never made it to day 17, so congratulations to all of you. I'm bringing the average down. Some of you are bringing the average up. It takes three months to form a new habit. You have to create new neurological pathways, uh, and that takes about three months. So if you keep going for three months, great, you'll probably achieve your goal, and it will be an intrinsic desire for you to do the thing that three months ago you couldn't do. That's really, really great. But that's not what the rule of life is about. It's not about goals or New Year's resolutions, because all those things are about doing. You do something. It's about beings that are, are doers, essentially. In other words, I am Mark Tapping, I am a doer. I'm just a little bit more intelligent than a worker ant, but I don't work nearly as hard as one of them. That's not what God has made us to be. We aren't primarily doers. We are pr primarily, and it's, it's in our kind of name, what are we? We're prim primarily human beings. All of our doing is supposed to be derived from all of our being. The problem is that in our society, we have that backwards. We're defined by what we do. We're human doers. And I have value and worth if I'm doing a lot or doing well. But we are human beings designed to be something, and doing overflows from what we are, right? We have this so messed up. We ask one another, one of the first questions when meeting someone new is what? What do you do? Next time you meet someone new, get a little weird with them and say, who are you? <laughs> I told you, my name is Jib. No, that's not what I mean. I don't mean what's your name. I mean, who are you? <laughs> well, it, it will get weird pretty soon. But that's not primarily a philosophical question. It's a very practical question. Who are you? Who in this room can answer that question? You should. It should be more obvious to you who you are than what you do. God first made our being. God first declared us very good before we had done anything. All of our doing, all of our commands that we receive from God to do anything are derived from who we are in God. If I'm, I'm not, um, sorry, I'm not shouting at anyone. Particularly, I don't know why I'm speaking so passionately about this. Uh, do you want me to be more gentle or are you okay? Okay, you're good. Okay, so there's many potential elements to the rule of life. And they're often divided like this. Now, you're going to get freaked out, but don't worry about it. 
We're not going to stay here for too long. Can you just put up the table, Brian, when you get a moment? Okay, sorry. Can you just go, just get that off for a second? Let me just talk. I, I missed a part about being. Pulling out some scriptures about being. Just listen here. The rule of life is about cultivating your entire life around valuing your primary relationship with God, loving Him first, walking in the way of Jesus, these are all scriptures, being transformed into His likeness, keeping in step with the Holy Spirit. In other words, it's about being a new creation, being a child of God, being born again, being who God already knows you are. Those are all uh, quotes from scriptures. It's all about being, and then from our being, we get to our doing. Here's a lot of the habits. Slide, please, Brian. Um, here's a lot of the habits, and, and don't get freaked out because this isn't going to be our teaching series for the year. We're not going to take one by one and make sure that by the end of the year you're keeping all of these. Uh, but but there, the list goes on and on, but it kind of goes like this. Internal habits, there's a bunch of them. External habits, there's a bunch of them. Community habits, there's a bunch of them. Take a couple of minutes. No, no, don't even take a couple of minutes. Take like 30 seconds and share with the person next to you uh, what of these habits looks most attractive and what of these habits looks most intimidating? Just quickly share. Ten more seconds. Okay, so where we're going this morning is I'm introducing a rule of life. The, the meeting is going to kind of end abruptly because I'm not going to preach the, about what I was going to preach about. We're just going to talk about the rule of life and then we're going to end. And over the weeks, we're going to pick up different aspects of a rule of life and we're going to help each other along in this, and, and I'm going to show you that in a moment. But um, who, whose most intimidating habit fell into the internal habits category? Just raise your hands nice and high. Okay, so maybe like a, a sixth. Whose most intimidating fell into the external habits? A little more. Whose most intimidating fell into the community habits? Probably the most. Okay, let's do the, the same for most attractive habits. Internal? Uh, external and community. Okay, so uh, it says a lot um, about us. So you can forget all of these because this isn't what we're going to teach, but I just wanted to show you uh, that that's when people, when you pick up a book about habits or when you go looking in the Bible, what are things that Jesus did or his disciples did? These are things that you're going to pick out. They're, they're things that went on in life, that they did in life, that t uh, t grow us in our relationship with God. Um, like I told you that uh, there's, there isn't that our first kind of example of a rule of life comes from the Desert Fathers, but that's not entirely true because while it wasn't called the rule of life, uh, we have rhythms and habits right in the Old Testament. It's in the Scriptures right there. So, for example, uh, who remembers why Daniel was thrown into the lion's den? 
He kept praying when the king said, don't pray. And how did they know to come and find him praying? There was a conspiracy against him. But, but he had, he kept the Israelites' ritual of daily prayers. Whether it's three, five, or seven times, he prayed at exactly the same time every day. Uh, and so they knew exactly where to go and find him because they knew he would be praying at one o'clock up there in his room. So Daniel gets thrown in the lion's den. His rule of life almost cost him his life. It was more like a rule that leads to death. Um, but obviously it's, it isn't. It's, it's one of the greatest Bible stories we have. But his rule of life got him there um, into the lion's den. The psalmist David tells us about prayer in Psalm 55 verse 17. And do you know what, do you know what it says? Well, I'll just tell you. He says that uh, morning, noon, and night I pray to you. He's talking, he's talking about a, a rule of life. If you ask David to teach on prayer, he would teach you about his morning, noon, and night routine. Um, and so we, we see that, though he's not, you know, there's no kind of discipleship uh, in the Old Testament about, here. Yeah, this is the rule of life you have to keep. There is the, this is how to pray. This is when to pray. Let's pray together. As a nation, let's do it together. Even as a foreign nation, as refugees, let's pray uh, at these times to our God. Um, if you ask Jesus about prayer, Jesus didn't tell his disciples to pray three, five, or seven times a day. I, I, right? There's no, I don't think there's any scripture that says that. But when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, because remember, Jesus' disciples came to him and said, Lord, how should we pray or teach us to pray? And he gave them a prayer that, they, that could help them. What does, can you put that prayer, Brian? I think it's there. What potentially, what time of the day could Jesus be thinking of when he taught them a prayer? Morning, because if you wanted bread, you would have started early. Why else? Lead us not into the temptation. It sounds like the beginning of something, not the end of something, right? So, while Jesus didn't say, here's your morning prayer, it's very unlikely that he thought the disciples were going to pray this on their way to bed. Right? So, there's, there's every chance that Jesus and his disciples kept certain habits of prayer. And the disciples were so encouraged by Jesus that they wanted to know how he keeps his. What do you do when you do that? And here Jesus teaches what's most likely probably a morning prayer, a way to start your day. It's not the only way to pray, and it makes a lot of, it doesn't make as much sense if you prayed on your way to bed, but, um, and it's not a magic prayer, but it's just a helpful way to begin. Interestingly, Martin Luther King Jr. developed a rule of life for himself in the civil rights movements. And if you wanted to join Martin Luther King Jr., regardless of your religion, he asked that you followed the rule of life for the civil rights movements. And his rule of life was meditate daily on the teachings and life of Jesus. Remember always that nonviolent movement seeks justice and reconciliation, not victory. Walk and talk in the manner of love, for God is love. Pray daily to be used by God in order that all might be free. Sacrifice personal wishes that all might be free. Observe with friend and foe the ordinary rules of courtesy. Seek to perform regular service for others and the world. Refrain from violence and fist, of fist, tongue, or heart. Strive to be in good spiritual uh, and bodily health. That was Martin Luther King Jr.'s rule of life for the civil rights movement. And what we want to develop is a rule of life 
for the King's Cross movement. It's uh, something we can do together to help us put Jesus above all and others before me. Something we can come alongside each other and say, hey, how are you going with X, Y, Z? Not not goals, not things you can get wrong, not failures or success, but along that trellis, how are you growing? How are you going? And so uh, what I want to introduce real quick is a real basic rule of life that can encourage us to kind of, we can give some time over the next couple of months. If you have a rule of life that works for you, probably all these things might be in it or close to it, and you can just add the aspects that don't. But if you don't, I'd encourage us to do this together. It would be so helpful for us to be able to walk together and be in conversation together and grow in this. And uh, where I got this from, uh, I found it really helpful because, like I showed you before, if you start trying to get the perfect rule of life, you're going to get messed up because there's an infinite amount of things that you have to find to put into your day and we'll just never get there. We'll get too complex for us. But I found a really helpful uh, rule of life that Justin Early, a, a, um, a lawyer, has written uh, and it's called the common rule. I think it's, it's really wonderful and probably the simplest way for us to begin as a church community. So he illuminates four daily habits and four weekly habits. And within this, he has four, inhab- four habits that are intended to cultivate a relationship with God. There's a, and four habits that are intended to cultivate a relationship with our neighbor. So the four daily habits, as you see, is prayer, a meal with others, phone off for one hour, <gasps> scripture before phone. I, I, I love that the habit's not just Bible reading, but Bible reading before phone. That's, that's the real hard one. <clears throat> why, why do you suppose that's important? Yeah, and it changes with how you interact with God because your phone has a bunch of messages, news headlines, work functions, schedules. Before you've opened up the Bible or prayed, you have all this buzz going on inside your head. Uh, weekly habits, one hour of conversation with a friend, curate media to four hours a week. We'll look, we'll look at that, but why do you think that's important? Less distractions. If you have a time limit, you know, there's nothing, it's not demonizing media. Throw your TVs out if you really love Jesus. We don't have to demonize it. It's just helping us be more selective, be more clear and careful about what we give our attention to. If you know that you're giving yourself a a framework, you'll be very clear about when and how and what you give your attention to. And then lastly, uh, Sabbath, which we're going to talk about in a couple of weeks as well. That's a, that's a real big one, a real wonderful one. I'm so glad that more people in King's Cross are keeping Sabbaths. Um, it's really life-giving, and we'll talk about that. Uh, the four that help us in our, grow in our relationship with God is obviously prayer, Scripture first, Sabbath, and fasting. The E and the R means this. The E is embrace. It's something that we embrace, something God has for us, and the R is rejection, something we reject. So Scripture first, we're rejecting all the news, all the schedules, all the messages coming through our phones. We're rejecting that all before we hear God, before we sit at the Scriptures and let God speak first. You speak uh, first, God. So while we are embracing God's Word, we're rejecting all other words. All other words can wait. We want to hear God's Word. Um, that doesn't mean you can't read the Bible later in the day because you've seen your phone. It's, um, d- d- let's not be legalists in practice of grace, but you understand the principle. 
and then love for our neighbors meals with others and phone off for, for that time and conversations and curating of media. Most of us in this room all know the things that we want to do, but like Paul, we have to add, but I don't do them. And uh, most of us know at nighttime, I'm sure at nighttime you go, if you're married, you might go, I really should uh, have a conversation with my spouse, but I'm going to watch another show. Or I really should call my friend if you're single, and I really should go hang out with that person, give them some time, but I think I'm just going to stay here and watch a movie. You know, in other words, we know sometimes things that we ought to do or want to do or desire to do, but we normally do something that's a little bit easier, a little bit more distracting. And these, uh, rule, the rule of life helps us to just pay attention to the things that we really want to give attention. And so a rule of life is a vehicle that is intended to help me live the life of love God wants for me. In other words, it helps me to put Jesus above all and others before me. These aren't complicated. This is something everyone can do. Do most of you eat? Do you, do you eat? Some of you don't eat. Some of you don't eat. Some of you shook your heads no. You're just being sarcastic and moody. You all eat. It's saying that once a day, whether you're single or in a family, you eat with other people. You find a meal and eat with others. You, you can eat with colleagues. You can eat with neighbors. You can eat with your family. You just don't eat alone. Don't eat in front of the TV. Just gather with other beings and eat a meal. We're going to talk about these more. We're going to talk about each one of them and unpack them a little bit and then keep up with each other and go, how's it going? What, what are you struggling with? What's intimidating? What's horrible? I know for prayer, prayer is super intimidating. Funny, hey, we all know how to speak, but prayer is really, really hard. If, if the only thing we ever said in prayer was Father, that would be enough for the rest of our lives. Just like children, the first word they normally say is, is it's normally da in English because da is a lot easier than mum. So we get the nod in English at least. I don't know about other languages, but it's normally dad or mum. And the same is for the Christian. The first word Jesus teaches us to say in the morning is father. In the, in the, in the original language of what he said, it's not our father. In the original language, it's father of us. Father. Let me just pause there for a moment. I'm not going to talk about prayer today. I'm, going to, I'm really going to land it now. I told you it's going to kind of end abruptly. We're going to end in a minute. Just let's sit with Father. Let me just say that again and again, and, and you tell me, what else can that bring? So, for example, Father tells me I'm His child, that I'm accepted, that I can't be rejected, that I'm not in or out, I'm, I'm just in whether my failings or my successes, I'm in His family. If I'm calling Him Father, that means I'm in. What else can Father bring? Father. Just say it out loud. Sorry? We're loved. You don't believe you're loved or that you're valuable or that you feel it. Just keep praying, Father, till you realize how loved you are. Sorry, Mona, were you going to say something? No? Right. Right. Intimacy. Safe. Beautiful. Belonging. 
family. Call out. Yeah. You can just say Father for five minutes and fill your life with so much revelation, so much fuel for the day, you might not get any further. And just like children, maybe the only word we ever say in prayer is Father. I promise you that will be good enough. But there's a lot more to be said. And we'll look at that when we discuss prayer. This is a rule of life, and I'd, I'd love you um, to all, if you can just put on that, the table again. Brian, just go back if you don't mind and put on the table. I'd love for you to, to all start thinking about this. We, we Obviously today I'm not, I'm not opening up any one of them or discussing how we can do them. I promise you when we do, it will be so simple, so doable, uh, and I don't mean doable as in goals and but as humans, as people who live our lives, as beings, uh, it will be so possible. Um, it's not going to be frightening. It's not going to be for the specialist Christians, for the mature Christians, for the older brother Christians. It's going, going to be what any Christian can do. And if you're not a Christian, uh, it's a great place to start, to think, to be curious about Jesus and who He is. So as you look at these, uh, start thinking about them. Start practicing them. Start playing with them. Have, have meals with others. Put your phone off for one hour. You, you don't need anyone to talk anymore about it. You can already, you know how it works, although the new iPhone is quite hard to figure out how to put it off. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> but we can teach you all. <laughs> Just start playing and start, start finding the beauty of these moments, these trellises that help us connect to God and to other people. And start seeing what fruit comes of it. Start seeing what's a struggle, what's a challenge. What was really good, what was really hard. What was interesting, what was boring. And let's start sharing, let's start having conversation. Find some, start thinking about who would you like to have one, a conversation with? Who would you like to say, hey, you want to have a conversation next week? Let's have a chat, let's catch up. Let's catch up for a meal and conversation. <laughs> Two in one. <laughs> Maybe we will have a meal pray for it, and have a conversation three in one. Ooh, you can work out. And we can have a competition and see who can get the most in to one moment. <laughs> but play with these. And then uh, Josh and I, we, we've briefly spoken, but we'd love to try and help us keep almost tattooed on the front of our minds that all of this is about Jesus above all and others before me. It's not about achievement or failure. It's not about doing the right things to get the right results. It's about Jesus above all and others before me, and grabbing hold of the trellis that can help us get there. Jesus above all and others before me.